We're uh, in this uh, series in Lent. Welcome. Are you, you know, Ben, ben kind of outed you. He was like, hey, how many of you are not doing Lent, you know? Feel free to jump on board. We're doing Lent together. People are giving some stuff up that sort of whatever would increase our hunger for God and remind us that he's what we need and he's what we want and he's all that we need. So jump in if you're like, I've never done Lent before. You know what? Jump halfway in with us. Give something up for Lent with us. And uh, we're working our way toward Easter, which is the celebration that, in fact, God has provided everything we need. So it's kind of fun for those of us that didn't grow up in a liturgical background to do Lent. And we're having a good time. Um, this is our series then during Lent. It's how then should we pray? We're doing it on the Lord's uh, prayer. And we're at that place, as Chris uh, reminded us in the little game that they played, we're at that place where we're talking about the phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done. And um, your kingdom come, your will be done. Here's the deal. Here it can save you a whole lot of trouble listening to a lot of words that I have for you today. I'm going to get you out on time. But if you wanted to check out, here's what you could hear. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. And he brought this phrase, right? Uh, well, if we started with hallowed be thy name, uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is Jesus saying, here's how I want you to pray. I want you to pray around whether or not you want God's way. That's it. I want you to pray around whether or not you want God's way. That's what this prayer is about. That's what this text is about. Whether or not you really want God's way. Last week I went skiing on my day off uh, and went up to Heavenly Valley. It was this beautiful bluebird, just gorgeous day. There's like, you know, 600 inches of snow on the ground. I knew it was going to be awesome. And as I got my stuff together outside my car, I walked uh, toward the gondola to get on the, to go up the mountain. And I looked down and on the ground was this pair of awesome Ray-Ban sunglasses. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I've been needing a pair of glasses. I've got some really crummy glasses that I bought at Costco like seven years ago. And they look like A, they're crummy glasses. And B, I bought them seven years ago. And so I was like, this is awesome. This is a, these are incredible. I'd never buy these Ray-Bans. I mean, these are so great. And uh, so uh, you know where this story's going, right? <laughs> right at the beginning. I mean, they were right there between my car and the car parked next to me. If I'm really honest with you now, and I better be because it's lightning. <laughs> they were closer to the car next to me. And I just had this sense Lord saying, do you want my way? To which I answered, no, I want Ray-Bans is what I want. <laughs> I'm a cheapskate. I got, I got lousy glasses. I got a kid still in college. I got another wedding this year. I got another wedding this year. In fact, Emily and Alex are here. My daughter, Emily, and her fiance, right? A little, little wave, you guys. Where are you guys? Oh, so fun. Like I, got, like, I don't have a Ray-Ban in my budget. You know what I'm saying? And this was a gift from my Lord, sweet Jesus. <laughs> Do you want, you want my way? So then I looked at it and I realized, you know, probably the where those things are lying, there's no way it was that guy's glasses in that car because it was probably, it was dropped there the night before at the end of the day. So that person is long gone. Are you judging me right now? So I picked up those glasses for safekeeping because we don't want anybody who they don't belong to to take them. 
I understand the irony in that, I really do. <laughs> and I skied with them, they were incredible for the day. But all day long on the hill, the Lord's like, do you want my way? So by the end of the day, because I thought about it literally 50 times, I came back down the mountain early and I went over to the car, but as I'm coming down the mountain, I'm also stopping to rest and be, view the beautiful view at Heavenly because inside I'm thinking, maybe if I delay long enough, he'll be gone. <laughs> okay, seriously, do not judge me so badly. And so I get down there and his car's there and so I leave a note. Hey, I found something. I didn't want to say I found Ray-Bans because I didn't want some loser who they didn't belong to to just call me like, hey, yeah, those are my Ray-Bans. So I said, I found something. If you can identify it, let me know. I was making it as hard as possible. <laughs> the Lord's like, do you want my way? Now, you, need to, you don't need to know the end of the story, do you? But the, but the point about that... <laughs> I was anxious for two days every time my phone vibrated. <laughs> thought I was going to have to give back these Ray-Bans. And apparently they weren't his and, or hers or whomever. It looked like it was a big boy truck is what it was. I figured it was a guy, but uh, I didn't, I didn't, I never heard from them and I figured they didn't lose anything and it wasn't theirs and, uh, and I, I, I kept the glasses. <laughs> but, but truthfully, they're a little soured, if you can understand. They're mine. <laughs> 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 uh, it's like the ring. No, they're not! <laughs> It's a dumb story, isn't it? This is what the Lord's saying in this prayer. God's will, God's way, wanting God's way is exactly what he's been asking us for all along. Jesus said, this is how you should be praying. You should be praying about whether you want God's way. Do you want God's will to happen? Do you want what God wants or do you want what you want is what God is asking them in this text. And once I had this dumb sunglasses experience, it started coming in waves for the last eight days that I kept realizing there was this nudging from the Lord saying, do you want my way? I was sitting, uh, uh, enjoying some quiet moments with my wife the other morning before work, and I realized in talking about something that I was learning that what I had been going through, because I haven't learned it yet, has hurt her. And I was overwhelmed with this sense of being a failure as a man, being a failure as a husband, and, and that I had hurt her and not known it, and that she was carrying this wound from this stuff that I'm walking through in my own life, that my junk had spilled over to her and affected her. And I began to feel this temptation inside to be like, I don't want to hear this. I want to be defensive. I want to turn it on her potentially. I want to get out of the situation for sure. Like, I got to go. I got to be out of here. Like that flight thing inside me was like, I can't, I can't handle hearing this stuff about what I've done. And I felt the Lord go, do you want my way? Because God has something for me in that, friends. He wants to heal her heart. He wants to restore our relationship. He wants to teach me some things that I wouldn't learn otherwise. God's got a plan in that. And I wanted to get away. I wanted to flee from it. You know what I mean? One of the things I'm giving up for, uh, for Lent is I'm experiencing a Sabbath uh, one day a week. And the way that my day, days off work, so it starts for me, my Sabbath starts like a Jewish day. My Sabbath starts at sunset the day before. 
And so my Sabbath started this week, a Thursday night at 7.19 p.m. And the reason I'm telling you it's 7.19 p.m. because I was all crazy legalistic about it because I didn't get done everything I needed to get done that week before I was going to release to the Lord all my unfinished work tasks, all my unfinished people tasks, all my unfinished work that I needed to do. I was going to rest because what the Sabbath says, Lord, I trust you for all that's going on in my life and in my world and in my work. I rest from it because I trust that you're at work. It doesn't even have anything to do with me, really. Only I couldn't stop. Anybody resonate with that? 7.19 p.m. was coming. I was watching the clock. It wasn't like I was going to stop at dinner time. It wasn't like I was going to stop around 7 p.m. It was 7.19 because I was working all the way to the end. I was like pounding out emails frantically at like 7.18. Like, look, you might have been one. Look, if I was communicating with you Thursday afternoon, look and see if you were the 7.18 person. I'm watching the clock tick. And when it clicked to 7.19, I wasn't ready with all that was still undone in my life. And I knew that it was going to take me so much stress to let that 24 hours go without working, without finishing, without doing the stuff I needed to do. I was going to let people down. I was going to disappoint people. I was, some balls were going to drop, all that stuff, right? And the Lord just went, do you want my way? Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You should pray, God I want your way. That's how Jesus teaches us to pray. The reason that's so powerful is that we actually start to think when we recite it, you know, the way that Ben and, and Chris were doing up here, you know, like, your kingdom come, your will be done. We just sort of think it's like, your will be done. Like, you just, like God on earth somehow, you just, you just, you do your thing out there. And the Lord's like, no, I'm asking you to pray it because I want to ask you if you will do my will, if you'll want my way. Okay, now that you're done judging me, does anybody also resonate with those markers in the road of wanting God's way or not? Well, we asked the question then, are your kingdom come? Let's talk about this a little bit, parse it somewhat. And I want to ask the question about the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Here's a definition. You can't write it down. It's too long, but I wanted you to get a sense of it. This is me sort of synthesizing some other people's words, but also just the biblical. There's hundreds, literally hundreds of verses about the kingdom of God in the scriptures. Hundreds. And Matt, we're studying Matthew, Chris, Matthew 6 is where the Lord's Prayer is, Matthew 6. It's in two places, Matthew 6, Luke 11. So that's for you guys to reference, because sometimes when it's on the screen, you kind of don't get a sense of where we are. But um, here's, here is... Uh, um, it's kind of a synthesis. This is what the kingdom is. The kingdom of God is the active, dynamic exercise. In other words, it's active. This is God's, this is, some of you are such red hots. I told you not to take notes. You're doing it anyway. You're writing it down. That's awesome. The kingdom of God is the active, dynamic exercise of God's rule, authority, and power in the world. Now, wait, stop. We got to go back. You got to look at that. It's the active, dynamic involvement of God. It's God working. It's God, really, truly God, the real God involved. He's working and he's working by his rule, his authority, his, his power in the world. That's king stuff, right? It's God's kingness. It's the actual God doing, being the actual king in the world. But then look at that second phrase, through the lordship of Jesus Christ. There's a Jesus piece in here because we're how we have a relationship with God himself. It's through the lordship of Jesus Christ in the hearts and lives of his people. So it's God acting, it's God ruling, it's God getting his way, but he's getting his way, so to speak, 
Should I not use that phrase? Because that sounds sort of negative, like he's getting his way. That's not what I mean. You know, he's having his way. It's God exercising his perfect will. And he's doing it through Jesus being Lord inside his people. The kingdom of God is God being at work, accomplishing his will, exerting his power, being God, being the king, and doing it through the presence of Jesus inside his people. A little more about that later, but I wanted you to see that sort of overall definition. And then here's how it's manifested. Here's sort of a further uh, uh, understanding of the kingdom. It's manifested. The kingdom's manifested when the will of God is being accomplished. Now, this is sort of like a survey of of a number of things you'll see in the Scripture. It's manifested when the the will of God is accomplished, like evil is overcome. It's being, sin is removed. Look at this phrase. Everything that diminishes life is rendered powerless. This is when the the kingdom of God is manifested when everything that brings life, God's way, the way that God would want us to live, the way that God would want the world to run, the way that God would want people to treat each other, when everything that brings life is, um, is re- diminishes life, sorry, is rendered powerless, but replaced by God's form of life, love, righteousness, peace. That's how the kingdom of God is manifested. When God's will is being accomplished, evils overcome, sins removed, uh, things that diminish life are rendered powerless. Instead, they're filled with the life of God, righteousness, love, and peace. That's the kingdom of God. It's a beautiful picture. I wish I could give you, I mean, that book that we just gave away to Chris, that's, you know, that's 300 pages of what the kingdom of God is. Get in the scriptures, Google kingdom of God and start reading. It's, it's, it's beautiful and it's amazing. But as we talk about the kingdom of God, I even just basically introduce it to you. And oh, by the way, I, there, we preached on the kingdom of God for a series in the fall of 2015. So if you're really interested, there's some great sermons there, particularly the first one is an introduction. So you could go to that series, fall of 2015. It's called The Kingdom of God is blank. Um, but as we look at the kingdom of God, as we consider it, we're basically saying this summary, that the kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of God. It's the rule and the reign of God. It's God being king. And so that's why Jesus, when Jesus asks us about praying, tells us about how to pray, he says, so are you going to let him be king? Are you going to let him have his way? Do you want his way? Do you want him as your king? Well, looking more about the kingdom, we want to ask the question uh, about um, what Jesus said about it. And he said basically three things about the kingdom of God. And here's what they are. First thing Jesus said was the kingdom of God was at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. You remember that phrase? Some of your more modern translations might say the kingdom of God has come near, or the kingdom of God has arrived, or the kingdom of God is here, or the kingdom of God is, ha, has finally come next to you or near you. And this is, um, look at this verse in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 1. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom has come near. The kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus taught that it's come near, that it's arrived. Why? It's arrived through Jesus. It's the start of Jesus's ministry. He went out and goes, the time has come. The kingdom of God is now at hand. The kingdom of God has now come near. He was teaching that he was the beginning of the kingdom of God coming near to his people. And we're asking what the kingdom's about. It's about coming near because Jesus is near. And I want you to remember this and know this because it's not, we sort of think about the kingdom of God coming. We sort of think about the kingdom is somewhere off in the future and it sort of is going to be heaven. It's, we think it's synonymous with heaven. In fact, Matthew uses the term kingdom of heaven as opposed to kingdom of God. He uses it like 50 times. 
the kingdom of heaven. We think about it's heaven. I want you to remember that, that the kingdom is not sort of out there someday and like one day in heaven, we'll be in heaven and that's the kingdom of God. And until then, we're kind of on our own. That's how a lot of us live. We're pragmatic agnostics or even pragmatic atheists. We're just sort of doing our thing down here. Jesus said, no, oh, no, no, no. The kingdom of God is at hand because he came and is present. The second thing he says about it is, the kingdom of God is within you. I mean, the kingdom is so at hand, it's so close that it's actually within us. Luke 17, this is really, uh, I know I told you all you needed to know was at the beginning that question of, do I want God's way? Don't miss this verse. Luke 17, look at this story. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied. So they're asking the same question we are. What's the kingdom of God? What is this even all about? And Jesus answers this way. The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because, say it with me, the kingdom of God is within you. Now, wait a minute. This throws a lot of people's notion about the kingdom of God out the window, where we think the kingdom of God is some sort of overarching rule of God, like, the, like God gets his way in the world, like the Christian agenda finally wins, or that, that, that the, the morality of God becomes the dominant reality in not just this culture or that culture, but our state, our country, our whole world. Like that's the kingdom of God. Friends, Jesus actually taught, you're not going to be able to know when the kingdom of God is coming by how it's manifested itself out there. He says, and, and you will, and we'll talk about that in just a second, it's going to have outward implications, right? But Jesus' teaching is, it is within you. Look at his actual words. It's not something you're going to be able to observe out there. That administration, friends, is not the kingdom of God. This one, the last one, the next one. American values permeating the entire Western world and then maybe even the Eastern world isn't the kingdom of God coming. Morality finally agreeing with what all of us crazy conservative Christians think is the right way to live is not the coming of the kingdom of God. A, it ain't gonna happen. B, Jesus said, it's not gonna be observed. You're not gonna be able to go, there it is. Here it is. What did Jesus say it was? The kingdom of God is within you. That is a crazy reality. Now, so some of you panicking about what I'm saying. Oh, it's going to be manifested from without of you. Is that the right way to say it? Because once the kingdom of God starts within you, once the rule and reign of God happens in you, it will start coming out of you. It'll come out of you in all kinds of ways. It'll come out of you in crazy, world-changing, culture-altering, relationship-healing ways. The kingdom of God will come out of you, friends, but it cannot come out of you if it doesn't start within you. That's what Jesus is saying. And so the kingdom of God begins. It's so close because Jesus is close. In fact, it's within us because the spirit of Jesus lives in us. These are radical truths to think about the kingdom of God is at hand. It's within us. It is not out there. The kingdom of God is not an earthly kingdom. In fact, Jesus said that when um, there's a passage in, uh, in uh, John 18 where Jesus is before Pilate and he's on trial. 
And Jesus says to them, my kingdom, I didn't get to put it on the screen, but Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not of this world. It's not a worldly deal. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, he says, my servants, my disciples, they would fight to prevent my arrest from the Jews. But as it is, he says, my kingdom's from another world. Something else going on here. It's not a worldly kingdom. Because the Jewish people believed at the time that the kingdom of God would be established exactly that way, that it would come all at once, that the kingdom would descend with the Messiah in a political and a military defeat of all of their enemies and all of their oppressors, and God's kingdom, moral, uh, uh, physical, would rule on the earth through God's people and God's uh, laws and God's direction. That's what they thought. And Jesus is blowing everybody out of the water by going, actually, you're not going to even be able to observe it. You're not going to say it's over there, it's over here. It's going to be within you. And then he said to all the authorities, oh, by the way, this kingdom's not an earthly kingdom. Otherwise, we'd be fighting to protect it. In fact, earlier in that chapter is when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you know the story? Remember the story where um, Peter pulled out a sword and chopped off one of the high priest's ears just before Jesus got arrested? You know that story? You don't know that story? You got to go read it. It's so great. It's actually in all four Gospels when Jesus got arrested that Peter was just like, on guard. And he and, and one of the temple guards that came to arrest Jesus cut off his ear. Luke records the fullest version of the story that, that Jesus was like, you, what are you... To, to Peter, and he touches the man's ear and he heals it. And he says to everybody there, and in all four Gospels, it's recorded some version of saying, hey, 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 this is the cup God's given me to drink. And one of the, I think it's in Matthew, it is in Matthew. In Matthew, one of the versions, Jesus says to Peter and to everybody else, do you not think that all I got to do is call on my heavenly father? who will send legions of angels and we will win this war like that. But then what has been talked about in the scriptures will not be fulfilled. I have to go to the cross. This is, if this was an earthly kingdom, Jesus wouldn't have died. That was a really stupid way to win the war. But the kingdom is within us, friends. I'm going to stop talking if you get it. So go like this. All right, Jeff, move on. Yeah. Because we want to think, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Bring that kingdom God thing. We don't know what it means. We don't know, but it's out there and it's big and make it happen. And Jesus goes, no, actually, I'm going to teach you to pray. I want you to pray this way. Are you willing to have God's way start in here by the King Jesus who dwells in you? Are you ready to be his woman? Are you ready to be his man? Third thing Jesus says about the kingdom of God is that it is um, good news. He says it's good news. Look at this verse in Luke uh, 4. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. That's why I was sent. I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to these other towns as well. That's why I was sent. I was sent to proclaim the kingdom of God. But he puts this qualifier on there. He calls it the good news of the kingdom of God. This is, this is why it's such good news is that it is within us and from without of us it's going to come out into the world. That is both good news on both accounts. It's good news because people are indwelt personally, individually, indwelled by the living Holy Spirit 
who restores us, who heals us, who redeems us, who forgives us, who leads us. This is the good news, friends. This is why it's called good news. It's God's grace poured out on us unconditionally that we might be his people. That is good news that God starts with each individual inside of their heart and restores us to that which we were created to be. He's in the process of doing that. I know, look at your neighbor, you know they're not that restored, but they're on their way. This is good news. And then it just keeps getting better news that you, you, the kingdom of, of God is within you. It's you plural, by the way. The kingdom of God is, is within you. It's within you individually. It's within you as a community. Then we get to be good news to the rest of the world because we live that out. This is how you know whether or not you're actually want, doing God's way, is that you're good news everywhere you go. Sometimes you're a little hard news at the beginning. For some people and for some circumstances, sometimes it's hard news. that We didn't say the hard's not good. But it's always good news because we're restoring the brokenness of people and of cultures and of systems and of governments and of the, the, the ecology. We're restoring that which was broken into that which God originally designed it to be. That, my friends, is good news. And it starts within you, and then it comes out of you to the rest of the world. You have a ministry of good news. That's what Jesus said about the kingdom. It's at hand, it's within you, and it's good news. So it leads us to asking the question then, well, how, how's that going to come then? How's that kingdom going to come? So very brief. Here's how the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is coming. First, it, the qualifier is right in the scripture text. The kingdom of God is coming on, like on earth as it is in heaven. It's on earth as it is in heaven. And, and, and I put these words, with no resistance. That's what it means, with no resistance. That's how the kingdom of God is in heaven. There's no resistance. God's way is just happening in heaven. It just happens in heaven. There's no one in heaven. There's no angels in heaven. There's, no, there's nothing in heaven where somebody's like, God's like, do you want my way? They're like, ah. It doesn't happen. There's no resistance. There's none of that brokenness. There's none of that brokenness in relationship with God. There's none of that selfish sin. There's none of that. I just really love the sunglasses. There's none of that in heaven. There's no resistance to God having his way. That's how the kingdom's coming. The kingdom is coming where there's no resistance. Why? Because his people, where the kingdom starts, who, who are indwelled, the good news is we're indwelled by the spirit of Jesus the king, are more and more and more going, no resistance. I'm not standing in the way. I only want your way. I only want your way. So on earth as it is in heaven, like with no resistance, where anyone, or maybe the... Uh, when, maybe the better word is whenever anyone is under the influence or the rule of Jesus. When you're under, it's like a DUI, a driving under the influence. When you're under the influence of Jesus, when you're under the rule of the King, of King Jesus, that's the, that's the kingdom come. So when, when we pray, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does that kingdom come? What are we expecting to happen? We're expecting to happen. There'll be no resistance to doing God's way, and we'll be expecting that we'll be under the influence of Jesus. So that's what that prayer means. We'll be under the influence of Jesus and letting him rule us and guide us and lead us. I said this first gathering. It's not my answer, but I said this first gathering. I, I don't know when I'm going to preach a sermon when I'm not talking about submitting to the lordship of Jesus and his leading in our lives. Like, I think that's it. I think that's all we got. I think that's the whole message. Die to myself, want his way. Submit to the lordship of Jesus. Be an obedient servant. 
I have nothing in this world except to be a follower of Christ. And that's when the kingdom comes because the kingdom starts within me. And so as I submit to the king who is within me, as the Holy Spirit guides me and leads me, the kingdom starts coming. It just begs the question, doesn't it? Are you under his rule? Are you under his influence? If you just jump back to the Mark chapter 1 passage, I want you to see something interesting in that. Jesus said there, the time has come, verse 15, the kingdom of God has come near. And then look at that word. Repent and believe the good news. Don't get all wigged out by that word. That word means, so turn around. Go the other way from ruling your own life and embrace the lordship of Jesus within you. There comes a time in everybody's life when we make a decision about whether or not we want his way by asking the king to indwell us and lead us so that we live out that good news. That's what becoming a Christian means. That's what it's all about. There comes a time when we ask uh, 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 God for his grace and for his forgiveness and receive the gift of Jesus and come under his influence. It just begs the question, am I under his influence? Have I ever done that? Or have I done that, but then I kind of constantly live my own rationale of what I want as opposed to what he wants? There comes a time when we make a decision about not ruling ourselves, but allowing the king to rule our lives. Colossians chapter 1 says this really good thing. It says that Paul writes, he says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Think of that. He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's rescued us from, this, from being under the kingdom of bumbling around in the dark and not knowing where we're going, or even worse, being deceived and having something covering our eyes by forces of evil. But we're bumbling around in darkness. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know which way to go. We don't have any direction in our lives. He goes, he's rescued us from living this dominion of darkness. And he says, and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom there's redemption the forgiveness of sins. So the darkness goes away because we're connected to God again. That's what becoming a Christian means. And this kingdom comes when we come under that influence, that rule of Jesus. And so I just, we pause from time to time to remind you of what that means and ask you, are you under his rule? Have you made the decision to say, yep, that's what I want. I'm God's person and I want God's way. Happy to talk more about that in other occasions or with you one-on-one. And the last part about the kingdom coming is where anyone is under this influence, this rule of Jesus, and now and more and more until it fully comes. Now and more and more until it fully comes. There's now we're under the rule of Jesus, we're under the rule of Jesus more and more and more, and then one day the kingdom will fully come. One day God will have his way completely with no resistance the way it is on earth as it is in heaven. But not yet, so it's a progressive thing. So we keep going. We keep saying more, God, yep, want your way. More, yep, I want your way. Yep, I want your way. That's how the kingdom comes. Band, why don't you come up? We're going to have a prayer experience and sing one more song before we're done. But look at this last point. It has that phrase in it, your kingdom come, your will be done. And all this is, you guys, is sort of like he just didn't say it one time. Hey, pray like this, your kingdom come. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done. Remember that it's about your will. Remember, it's about saying, God, your will, not my will. Jesus is saying, this is how you should pray. Tell God you want his way, not your way. That's what the word repent is about again. Tell God you want his way and not your way. This prayer challenges us. Are we asking for his way within us? Do I want 
his will. And I know I got to share this, this, this verse with you. Jesus is not only the object of that, but he's also the example for us. Because when he went to the cross, when he was in Gethsemane after, um, before he got arrested and he was on his way to the cross, we have this text there that Jesus went with his disciples to the, this garden. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. In fact, he said, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Now, before you click the slide, just remember that Jesus is, what Jesus was going to experience was the weight of the sin of the world on him in separation from God the Father. He was going to experience the consequences of every sin that had ever been committed and ever would be committed. Jesus was taking that on. That's the good news of what God did for us. That's the pain. Crucifixion physically was awful, but the pain was experiencing the weight of the sin of the world that he was going to suffer on our behalf. So he's overwhelmed by this. And so then the text goes on, and this is Jesus, the Son of God, going a little further. He fell with his face to the ground, and he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Like this, doing your way, I think it just might be too hard for me. Is there any way else? And then he says, but not my will, sorry, but not my will, but your will, as you will. That's the last line there. Yet not as I will, but as you will. The slide that just went over is verse 42. He actually comes back a second time and he says to God, Father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken, like you're still considering that do we have to do it this way? Like going your way sometimes is incredibly scary and costly, right? Anybody relate to that? If there's, any, if, if there's not a way, though, to take this away, unless I drink it, your will be done. Your will, not my will. Your will. Friends, discerning God's specific will in your daily life, hearing his voice, all that stuff, that's a whole other set of sermons. But this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, challenges us, challenges our intent and realigns us with the nature of our relationship with God. Is he my king? Is he, does he rule my life? Do I want to say your way? Your way, God. That's what the prayer teaches us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's us asking We hallow you, God. We worship you, your name. But may you rule my life. May you rule our life together so that we walk more and more and more in your will, not my will, but yours be done.